0: Yeah, of course. that would happen, right? Like right as I'm about to do it. Oh, hold on! You get more stigma than you want. Let's go back there. We no, that's not it. Not it. Hold on! I gotta get the. I gotta get the mute. <laughs> I'm going through the entire set list. There we go. Make believe it did happen. You.
1: so much. One four zero, and I am your host, of Robinson. So, we're going to make your evil and you are two fifty five. It is somehow connected. But first, I'm a right, it's we'll been a thing that you had since two thousand seven. I mean, all of nothing. still available for from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where there is people just in night, a nightclub with a hammer, where the Revelation Records on the Google thing. It's a little, a little uh, magnifying glass. You can find this one. Don't buy the other one. The other one is from a known white supremacist. I think you like that word. Right? This one comes straight from me. That's my appointment. But it's the music no matter what. I don't care. I don't care. Listen. I'm on my way back nowhere. I took my time with a good But I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. I'm Being paid
0: back and for always nothing. All right, all right, all right. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. The intro of the show, it's, it's doggerel that you've heard before. Uh, <laughs> the music was drowning me out. You knew what I was saying. It had something to do with stigmata, Huntington Beach, and getting shot to death in a nightclub, as well as your car hit with a hammer, Revelation Records. Go and buy it. That's it. Don't buy the one that's bought that produced by a known white supremacist, unless that's your kind of thing. This one is owned by me. One of the first releases I released on my record label, CFY. Uh, Street music. That's what they call it. (laughs) Street music. Oh, my God. I need to. uh, I'm getting my hair cut. I'm getting my hair cut Tuesday because I'm going to be on the the Drew Stone Hardcore Chronicles on Wednesday. Um, And. I, you know, if I was more with it, I could tell you exactly where to find it. It's somewhere on YouTube. Just look it up. Look it up. It's called a, uh, a uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, I think Drew Stone, the Hardcore Chronicles. So, um, look it up. See what happens. Uh... <laughs> uh, hey, did one of you all? Uh, did one of you all ban? uh because <laughs> it wasn't me uh um, apparently he can't leave comments here um i mean why would i ban him here and then ha- give him my home phone number so he can bug me during the show <laughs> uh uh i'll see if i can figure it out um because we're a big yeah we're a big tent here anyway uh so let's let's go through the order of business other day the commercials. First off, if you look at the beginning, I put https colon slash slash uh, oxpo dot com slash rare. All the use who said, "Oh boy, if I'd only been on time, I would have got the special limited edition." Uh, 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 I don't have it with me. What I do have is a skull game shirt, but uh, the the oxpo hardcore core shirts, and they got forty eight of them. Uh, forty eight of them. There we go. Uh, uh, this is not them. This is the other one. I thought I had it with me, and uh, so he. Forty-eight of them slightly, the, the image, the posterized image on the back, which is from a live show of Oxbow playing in Paris, was slightly off from the original photo that had been sent. So what they say is to avoid a lot of returns. You know, if the photo, if the photo doesn't, if the photo doesn't match the actual image. It's got to go in as a blemish. So they sent them back. So I keep walking by this box of 48, keep walking by the box of 48, keep walking by the box of 48. And I was like, you know what? I want, this, I want it out of the house. The chance of me selling it in, in the, off, the tiny office in my house is zero. So I, I put it up for a vote. Some Twitter thing I put out. I go, should I return them to the manufacturer for a possible refund? Should I throw them in the garbage? Should I wait to sell them at an Oxbow show in some future time as yet unknown because of COVID? What the hell should I do with these shirts? And then somebody said, you dummy, you could sell these a special, like if they print the stamp of Abraham Lincoln, but he's got a Kangol on instead of a top hat, that's a mistake that people dig. So if they're slightly blemished, as long as you can read the name on the front and see the thing on the back, if they're slightly different, that's a value add, that's a feature, send them back. So I send them back to uh, a merch table, the people in Kansas who run our store, and they're kind of like, well, and right away people start, some stuff didn't even make it live into the store because people were were buying it before I got there. In any case, at last count, there were 48 of the Oxbow, uh, look what you made me do shirt as hardcore font, Which is actually, I think, called Varsity, and, and if you're interested in the slice, you should buy it. That's a commercial. Black Friday, whatever. It's a commercial. Uh, otherwise, go to Patreon.com/slash/TheStomper or Stomperville. Of course, I can never remember. I should, can't, and I haven't. Uh, or, or or Pinko95014 at Yahoo.com if you if you want to keep the show going. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not like, you're like, yeah, Eugene, what do you need the money? I was, well? I got the computer, which I have it. Things are perpetually about to crap out, as well as, you know, a, a <laughs> you get that speech like Sancho, Sancho Panza got from his wife. She goes, why? why? Why do you do it? She's asking him why he likes to hang around Don Quixote. Like, why? Why? And he goes, well, you know, I like this and like that. And the wife goes, that, does and that, that. And she goes, well, he finally goes, because I, I like him. That's why. That's why. Uh, unfortunately in the amount of time I spend doing this uh, liking is not enough. And, and if you follow me on Instagram, you can see when I put the shirts up there an old punk rock guy who used to be our roadie and was involved in the riot with the red hot chili peppers says, give me a shirt for free. And we have to go through this old punk rock thing. He, and he's like, uh, I said, why don't you buy it? He goes, my friends in bands, uh, my friends in bands, give me shirts for free. I said, Oxbow has no friends who are broke, and he's like, "Give me a shirt." I said, "When was the last time you gave me anything for free?" You know, if it comes down to rent versus a shirt, I advise you to pay your rent. If it's a sandwich versus Oxbow, take the sandwich. If things of that, but don't drive around in a thirty thousand dollar automobile. Go home and drink an imported beer and ask me for a free fucking shirt. He goes, I'm not a free hooker. I go, free, her, free hooker versus free loader. Let's discuss. He goes, oh, I'm not no free loader. And this is back and forth. Do you realize I played a show in Boston that was packed in those days, given the size of the room, that meant 250 people. And at the end, uh, <laughs> yeah, at the end, The Billy Ruwan, who is dead now, and everybody was like, oh, Billy's dead, he's dead. It was so sad when he died. It's like four years ago. I go, yeah, maybe I could go to the funeral and get back my 196 fucking dollars because Billy Ruwan came to me at the end of the show trembling with an envelope. And I opened the envelope, and inside the envelope, there are $4. This is from 1983. I don't give a shit. They're $4. OK? The place was packed. The guarantee was $200. Billy Ruwan was low, His family was loaded. I go, what's this? We're on tour, man. How am I supposed to pay gas now to get to DC or to New York with this money? He said, well, everybody, I go, I'm going to take a PA. I'm going to take a wedge. I'm going to take something from this club that I can convert into cash. He goes, come on, man. you <laughs> kind of, You know, it was one of those guys, like, it didn't even, you couldn't even, like, hit him. It didn't even make any sense. And so people thought when he died that I was unkind for bringing up. And in the early days of the internet, I was relentless, so relentless that he got his family's attorney to like to try to scream at me. You're libeling this guy, libeling the guy, libeling the guy. Where's my 196 dollars? So you know when I when this friend, yes, he was there punching the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, exactly. He was there, you know punching the red hot chili peppers for me. But, dude, that was in 1987. You know how long ago that was? 1987. That's a long time ago. You don't have $25 for a shirt. You know, well, man, this is coming out of my pocket. Versus what, bro? How do you think those shirts got there? You think some magical T-shirt fairy put them there? No. Okay, I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop. My wife says, you know, you should put together a whole show of you just ranting about money, a whole record, a, a video, you could do a some music video series. And <laughs> Exactly. What was, what did you do for me? Get the fuck out of here with all that punk rock shit. I remember distinctly when we stopped playing uh, Benefits. I are playing Benefits. Benefit, great. How much you pay us? Well, it's kind of a benefit. I go, still, if I'm loading gear into a van it ceases being a van. I'll show up. I'll gladly show up to your event. You can put my name on the flyer and I'll talk shit for half an hour and I'll leave. But I'm not loading a fucking thing into a van. Sorry. Don't get me started on the money thing. Anyway, so um, uh, I'm, I'm um, let's see. How did this, what was, what was a two-step? I'm writing about a serial killer. And uh, sorry, this is uh, show 140 and it's The Nature of Evil. So I'm writing about the serial killer for Ozzy. And uh, if uh, I, got, I got shitloads of pieces in Ozzy this week. If you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, I will tweet them out. You'll see him this week. And I'll get to the big one, uh, um, yeah. I, I'll get to the big one uh, mid-show if I, if, remind me. You're supposed to be reminding me about a couple of things. One, I haven't forgotten since I'm ranting. It's a David Cross thing. And I think I'll tell that before the, the show's out if I have time. So I'm um, doing this research, too. There's a Brazilian serial killer and an American serial killer. And I'm kind of bouncing. and I'm going through my notes and thinking, I go, oh, my God, do you realize, do you know how many, like, crazy killer murderer guys that I've maintained a, a personal association with over the years? And, and it was kind of mind-blowing how they fell into my orbit or, alternatively, how I fell into their orbit. Um, and I started to, I started to ha- have ideas. That's not an idea. I started to. I was cogitating on the nature of, of my connection. I'm doing this research for this piece I'm writing, and I'm like, okay. John Wayne Gacy, Charlie Manson, um, by proxy, Richard Ramirez. Yeah, it, yeah, it nice to me, you know. Um, uh, Night stalker, and and, and I, I started to, I started to, I started to. You can never come at these guys straight. Because everybody's coming at them straight, and if you take my friend, the Australian filmmaker Jasmine Hurst, who did the piece on Eileen, Eileen Wernos, it starts to it starts to it starts to add up, right? And so um, um, Bundy, who um, I was never very interested in, uh, but the court case dragged on so long that I, I, at a certain point I thought that I should maybe try to interview him, but I, I didn't. I, I didn't like it was weird. Like I didn't like the fact that he was uh, exclusively you know murdering murdering women so sort the of bug me right and whereas like some like uh btk's uh daughter I was scheduled to interview um we're talking months ago I was scheduled to interview her and then her she she did an interview with like people magazine and then I was like the second interview and then apparently people magazine was so rough on her that she was like screw this you know, I got a book out, whatever. I'm doing one interview. If People Magazine is not enough to sell it, then I don't need it. So I, lo- I lost my interview with her. But uh, I, I have letters from Gacy. I got letters from, you know, Charles Manson. J- technically, technically, Charles Manson is not a serial killer. And there is actually some doubt as to whether Charlie killed anybody himself. I- I'm not going to get into the finer points of the case. I'm not not about re- relitigating it. But I'm, I was starting to think, and of course, um... We talked last week about that friend of mine, and we'll get to that photo too about that friend of mine. If we have time, that friend of mine who uh, Dave Rubenstein, who used to sing. For, his name was Dave Insurgent. Insurgent <laughs> <Where's your head? laughs> used to sing for that band Reagan Youth, and he was put his girlfriend in the pickup truck with Joel Silver, the Long Island serial killer, and she was found subsequently dead. Um, he was so depressed. He the child of a survivor of Auschwitz was so depressed, you know, they got hooked on heroin. She turned to tricking. He was her de facto pimp. This guy I talked about last week's show, this guy was a regular customer, but this was the day he had decided to kill her. And on the high speed chase that ensued on Long Island, if you read about it, this girl was the one who was found dead in the back of the pickup truck and Joe Silver was arrested. So um, I'm thinking about this and I, and I start to, I start to research, you know, um, uh, news comes up uh, on my feed about Bundy. And one of the things that comes up is that a, this woman who had the only woman to not write a book. Yeah, man. The only woman to not write a book uh, was this psychiatrist. And she said, I, I've come to some amazing conclusion. And I'm not, I'm just telling it. Cause I want to go to psychology today. Um, yeah, that was too bad. I enjoyed Mindhunter. I uh, wanted to go to psychology. I was, I got all these hours. Like, in other words, she was, what Jasmine Hurst was to Eileen Warnos, she was to Bundy. She got the last tranche of interviews with him after they shook out that crazy Republican Christian cat, got him thrown out of there, or got, was the last one. And she just, he, he was very interested in having his brain studied, right? Like a lot, like, I think ever since they, they Charles Whitman, the, uh, tower shooter in texas and then they found that of course he had a brain tumor that was pushing on his, his amygdala so they started to look for biophysical causes for the nature of um uh, you know uh, serial killing and murder and so forth so he was very interested so he says and this is i'm getting to it it's taking me 17 minutes he says in his interviews when she starts asking him about his life he says ah oh, you know i had a great childhood and you know because she's like Building a psycho monograph of a serial killer. And she, was, ah, you know, they all have terrible early lives. And he's like, No, 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 mine was great. This and that. Well, you know, journalists have Jesus Christ, me. Journalists have this saying that even if your uh, even if your mother says she loves you, get a second opinion. So this psychiatrist, psychologist says she's gonna start asking people. And she starts asking people and finds out, indeed, that his early life was miserable, was chaotic. The grandfather was apparently a horrible tyrant. Um, However, Bundy himself did not remember anything of his life with any degree of accuracy before the age of three or four. Didn't remember. I have I have memories of being in the bathtub, of having guppies, of being afraid of the bear under my bed, all pre-three years old. I've met, you know, memories of sweetheart soap, the lavender soap in the back, all from th- three or four years old. I have them. The only other person to say this to me was this guy I went to high school with, and this guy had had a, a father that was like uh, uh, Earl Woods, right? Creat- like, most cases, people go, oh, Earl Woods, he was so doted on his son, or like Lewis Hamilton's dad, they were completely psychotically or... Ronda, Ronda Rousey's mom, you know, you don't hear about Todd Marinovich's dad who did the same sort of psychotic things. And Todd Marinovich, the former football player, spun off the rails and did it. This guy had a father like that and had decided that that what he what he wanted was his sons were going to be like Mark Spitz. Every morning they were up at five and three sons all went to my high school and they were all statewide citywide statewide champs. They going to go to the Olympics really drove those kids hard. The one that was my friend, the oldest one, ended up going to Princeton. Anyway, as LinkedIn or something allows you, I see, oh my God, my, my swim, I was on the swim team in high school. My swim team captain actually is is like 10 minutes. He's not I worked in Belmont, he in Redwood City, right in the Oracle Towers. I gotta give him a call. I gotta give him a call. And he was like sort of weirdly paranoid. What is you Eugene, I haven't seen you since 1980. What do you want? Said, hey man, we're friends I just want to talk what do you have a, meet me for lunch down the stairs So he's okay, so I kind of browbeat him in, into showing up and he shows up and so naturally one of the reasons to do that is to reminisce right like ah man remember Mrs. Mutnick and then this and then that and I start doing that and he was like he just kind of pauses for a bit and he says to me, hey um Eugene um, honestly I have to tell you. I don't retain any single memory at all from those years. Now, we're not talking three or four now. We're talking a guy saying fundamentally he has no memories of what his life was like before he was 21. Before he was 21. He has no memories of it. And I, I sat with that for a while. Yitzhak Rabin gets assassinated. This all this all ties in. Yitzhak Rabin gets assassinated. Igal Amir was the assassin. Egal Amir, um, <laughs> yeah, that was Igal Amir. They're writing about him in the paper. He said. Yitzhak Rabin sold us down the river. He got what he deserved. And whose name appears in the article, but this same guy's brother, one of the brothers, whose father drove him, who had no memory before he was 21. His brother was part of the group that Igal Amir was part of that assassinated Yitzhak Rabin. So you understand the nature of the trauma so that you have, you have, Periods of your life completely gone. Bundy didn't recall. He wasn't blocking. He wasn't hiding. He had not recalled. And the psychologist says he created a shadow self. Right? And later he talked about it. He goes, something comes over me and I, I call it the entity. And the entity has to be fed. But it's like having a having a song that you hear on the radio that you can't get out of, get, get out of your head. Now, if you grow up in a Brahmic tradition, what you call this is evil at this point. You call this evil. The psychologist didn't care about that. She wanted to talk about the biophysical aspect. And she talked about other cases of people who had visitations. And then they did brain uh, scans on them and found out that there was, again, pressure on the amygdala, that there was some sort of brain mechanism that was causing them to have visual and auditory hallucinations, which they categorized as demonic His defense lawyer at some point says he was talking to Bundy about the entity and he turns to his notes and turns back and Bundy's eyes were all black. It was like a different person was in the room. He could smell. His body was metabolizing things differently because a smell came from him that was different. His voice was different. He asked him to write something and he was writing something that was different. Uh, his handwriting. It wasn't like he's going for the insanity of the defense. It just happened, and he said, "My prevailing sense." This is defense attorney Lee, something or other. My my prevailing sense was that I was about to be murdered. All of which would have meant nothing to me until I started to recall an event. Well, a woman I knew, who, uh, and this is a tough story to tell, and I'm uh, I will. Give you little bits and pieces of a woman I knew. Her parents apparently thought it made sense to hire a 16-year-old boy, a local boy, neighborhood boy, to babysit her uh, when she was eight years old and her her four-year-old brother. Uh, it, it, it was probably the first time the kid babysat for them, locked the brother in the closet, and violently raped the sister, and that was their routine. So she's telling me this story, right? She's telling me this story. Now, keep in mind, the reason I am in her living room is because I showed up to have sex with her. I didn't know the story before I showed up to have sex with her. But I showed up to have sex with her. It was understood that that's what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, this is not the most romantic way to start out an evening, right? And but she wanted to it was total disclosure. And I said, okay, so now I'm in a weird position, right, because I can't punish her for something that was not her responsibility to begin with. Which means I got to go through it, but I if I felt any less sexy, I can't remember when. So I'm in a weird place. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. I'm in a weird place where I got to somehow recapture sexy what, I've just been given horrific news. Nah, yeah, rain check, except it was another country. <laughs> so, uh, so, and then she says, um, as, a, as a check on me, and this has happened one other time, and I won't go into the other time. As a check on me, she says, I've hidden knives all over my place. Right. Like. You know, like like people who have had like people who have had problems in their past before. Like I've had problems in my past before. And I remember after it, when I was like 11 or 12 years old, I said to myself, that's never going to happen again. Have never been unarmed since then. I'm 58. Yeah, yeah, I know you like to think you're out, but hey, you know, I don't want to too good of a, I don't want to, you know, I didn't, like, uh, I scared him away. Uh, you can't. Yeah, they can't. I can't be that guy. So she says, I have hidden knives all over the place, and then I look at her. She's sitting in front of me on the couch, and I'm sitting in a respectful, like a chair in the house, like, you know, not on the couch. And her eyes, all black. Like, all black. It was a different person. Somehow, so now, I got this horrific news, and now I got some kind of, like, thing happening. It's like, bonjour, moi. How, what, do, what do I do? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to dig down deep. We're going to do this. Go into the bedroom. Sexual contact ensues. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to run. Sexual. So... Subsequently, it concludes, and I'm like, okay, oh, my gosh, that was, I got, can I, where's your bathroom? She doesn't mean the bathroom there. Nah. Yeah, the bathroom is there. So I get up, I go to, the, I see her naked on the bed. I get up, go into the bathroom. When I come back, and this is the amount of time it took me to urinate. When I come back, so whatever, 17 seconds. When I come back, she's covered in blood. Covered in blood. Like from from the clap from the collarbone down to the waist. And I look at her. You know, I mean, at this point now, I'm in the place anything could happen. Right? Anything. Anything could happen. You call the cops. I'm going to know the country. I didn't, anything could happen. And I look down at, 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 uh, at her and I say, hey, uh, is that you? And, and, and I meant in any sense of the word. Who is Who am I dealing with now? Is that you? And again, eyes like fucking saucers. And she looks at me the way I'm looking at you kind of now. And she goes, And I was like, huh? Oh. And I get in bed.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, I'm in another kind. What am I gonna do? I mean, you know, it's a long time ago. That was my first experience. So when I read about the entity, I then I go, you know, there's something, there's something to that. But the question is, in the Brahma tradition, how comfortable do we feel with the idea that it's demonic? And so then I started to think of the na- nature of, of, of evil. And, and I go, you know what? I got to go macro on this whole evil thing. All right? Like, I, I, I've never, in any case, in any case, uh, any case that you examine, that you present me with, and they talk about, they've discovered psychopathological uh, 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 symptoms are present in, like, a, a, certain, a high percentage of CEOs. Not a high percentage, like 4% of CEOs. But what is the difference between psychopathology and evil? But if you want to, evil always has a moral dimension to it. But if, but let's just look at it for what it is. OK, Let, let's just let's just look at it for what it is. Let's just say, I mean, like the guy said about Stephen said about pornography. I don't know what it is, but, you know, it when you see it, just whatever version of evil you want to use connected to a moral tradition or not. Let's just think about that for a second. I can't think of any significant, I can't think of any, careful, w- let me finish before you start loading on. <laughs> any example of unadulterated evil that's had an overridingly positive outcome. <laughs> and I said, I wanna go macro right now. Cause I, you know, we could look at the whole history of America. I just did a piece on Andrew Jackson, Indian killer. I edited a piece, a guy, a guy wrote it. Uh, You know, or what the conquistadors did to the Aztecs and the Mayan peoples, you know, the the Tahino Indians. Let's, you know, wars of colonialism that were fundamentally Belgian Congo as evil as evil could be. And, uh, you know, Belgium is a pretty nice place to visit now. So, well, there's no connection between, you know, between the Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo and Belgium. Well, yes, there is. It's not that great to go to the Belgians, especially if your name is Patrice Lumumba. It's not the point. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to go macro. I'm not going to go macro. I Lots of those are institutional. Process based examples of evil in which in which responsibility is diverse. If we were to bring him back from the dead, Andrew Jackson would say, what, what are you talking about? Indians are people who told you that? H.L. Mencken said, don't open my diaries for 50 years. He was saying shit in his diaries. People were like, oh, the guy's a terrible racist. You know, you could have walked down the street back when H.L. Mencken was alive with signs that said what he said about Jews and women and Asians, and people would be like, oh, yeah, and water's wet, pal. <laughs> like Bill Burr says, you know, the guy was born in 1907. He might have fucked up ideas. Yeah, we're getting to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Paul Fussell, uh, father, or uh, somehow related to the other guy who wrote Muscle. Um, so I started to think, I'm not thinking, I'm not going macro, I'm not going political. I'm talking about interpersonal, small s- s- evil. The ones that I started the story out with, a Bundy, uh, a Dahmer, uh, you know, and they, they sort of, to a certain degree, they make movies about that, but you don't really see movies about Nixon's. And his secret bombings of Laos that went on day after day after day that killed you know millions of people. I don't want to get down into that. I want to talk about it. Inter- it doesn't ever seem to profit it, a man. <laughs> Dahmer killed in this in the jail. Jim caught Gacy put to death. Manson died in prison. Ted Bundy fried. I don't understand. I, I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. The reactionary nature and function of 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 evil, which doesn't exist in and of the the chaos it brings, doesn't exist in of outside of an established an established uh, order, right? So you start to and and keep in mind, I've known I've known Anton Lavey and I try I tried to get get him to to talk about this in in a real (laughs) significant. The kids looking at me. (laughs) <laughs> I tried to, I tried to get them to talk about this in, in, in a real significant way, and he was like, "Hey, Eugene, I'm an atheist. I got to tell you, I'm just here to, uh, um, whoa, Ooh. here, you want to see the baby? Yeah, there's a baby. <laughs> hey! Look at you. This is the baby sighting in the show. That's going to be like a normal thing. Hey, oh, um, so." Um, <laughs> yeah. The baby alert. That was a baby alert. Yeah. She, she's uh, my assistant in the angry life coach thing. If you follow me on uh, Twitter or uh, 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 Facebook. So I, I've, I've never seen, I've never, I mean, these, these guys are like, uh, uh, die, not D I E D Y E. You know? Um, yeah. You know, this is the thing. You gotta, I'm trying to figure out where the name goes here. Let's see if they can. Right. Because I can't, there's no room underneath, right? And I can't put it here because that'll hurt like hell. And that's weird. And then so if I were going to follow the strict order, I guess I could put it here. But I'm not having a fifth kid. So then I got this weird imbalance thing here. I think I'll just add it here uh, after Lola and just have it be as it may. Symmetry is for buildings. I'm a human being. So um, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't prompt this, 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 this. um, so then I think this means I'm going to, I have to rule it out as a moral based meditation. I I can't, it's a Brahmic, you know, you know, these religions, whether Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, I just have to rule it out. I just got to rule it out. Yeah. Yeah, Popeye, Popeye would be good, except Popeye is dead. And, uh, you know, He's all alive, thank God. Um, yeah, Sa- that was it. yeah. Sam was the son, um, and I didn't realize that mom was Betty. Sorry about the cat. That's you know, I keep trying to put him out before the show, and he sneaks back in. So, um, so I, I have to rule out. So, I fundamentally find her piece to be sound, helpful, and useful. It's just a. It, I don't know that it's just because people because you know, I'm no atheist. So I believe that there's a spiritual, a spiritual dimension to, to our doings, but I'm not always willing at this point to say, to explain this stuff away by, by, by evil. There was clearly something happening in his head, you know, caused by, uh, in Bundy's head that was causing, I mean, his eyes were black because his pupils were super dilated. In my craziest moments, in my craziest moments, insofar as I've had, the ability to check out my irises, mine go the other way; they pin, which is disturbing in and of itself because it means my resting heart rate is probably pretty low. Excitement makes your your pupils go go go, go wide, All right? So I, I, I I'm just gonna say it's a it's a brain abnormality. Whatever medium that you use to explain it to yourself, whether you feel comfortable with the moral dimensions of evil, that's fine. I remember somebody came up with a functioning idea of evil that, that I could use, and I, I decided to. It was called delight and cruelty, which is what I think of when somebody books Shogun hoo-ha against Paul Craig. Bingo, Segway. <laughs> I, on the care, don't care, if, you, if you're if you fond of that show and watch it, I said, I care about this fight, but I, I cannot deal with the sads. I cannot deal with it. I cannot deal with it. But I'm posted up in front of the fight last night, and it's on. And, you know, I was trying to, I was trying not to focus. I went and made a sandwich, sat down with the family. We had dinner. I, I made some impossible burger burgers, you know cheese on them with a fried egg on top, which is a provolone cheese. We sit, we're eating, and I wander back, and I'm watching this thing. No, 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 uh, Bundy, Bundy, um, he, He. no, no, no. She's 40, 42 now, And and when she was working as a stripper in Florida, she would have been about 32 uh, 28, and I think he was already in jail by then. And this guy had a, a nice BMW, she said, um, and Bundy never got close to getting that and didn't have the kind of money this guy had clearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be, but psychopathology does not always equate to, you know like they said, the four percent of the CEOs, you know have these, these personality traits. I mean, my kids identified it. They said they, their belief is somehow that, you know, I'm on the spectrum a bit. Whatever. It's, 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 it's <laughs> that's modern talk. It's like internet talk. I don't really know what that means. But they said, look, you're in, your are you difficulty attaching to other humans. I go, I don't have any difficulty attaching to other humans. I got a lot of people. She goes, well, who are your friends? I go, I, uh, well, uh, they're Steve. Or when's the last time you saw Steve? I don't know, about eight years ago. When's the last time you called him on the phone? I don't know, about two years ago, but this is the one men have relationships. You know, See, I don't know about men, my male friends, your male friends are 19. It's totally different. You know, it's totally different. I don't, I don't have trouble, difficulty, attention. The problem is that when people give me bad news, I have this blunted effect. You don't see, like right now, you wouldn't know that I just got a text during the show about my stepfather having taken a turn for the worst. You wouldn't know that. Doesn't mean I'm on the spectrum, but who knows? You examine my brain, you might find something. So anyway, Shogun is getting the slot beaten out of him with not particularly violent, um, um, you know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You to have that job as a president, you pretty much want that. So, um, yeah, I'd, i like. I wonder what she'd say about that. See if you could talk to her about it. I would have, I would publish that as a true story, if she, if she felt like talking about it. Now, I can't imagine that she would. There's no benefit to her outside of $250 I could give her, but whatever. So, um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm like watching this fight, and and he's getting the slot beat out of him by Paul Craig. Who's going nowhere? I'm sorry. I love the guy. I love the grappling Scottish thing, as usual. Please give him, please give him subtitles. I can't, I cannot understand guys in Scotland. This is the subtones. But I've had great times in Glasgow. Fist fights in 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 in, 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 in vegetarian vegan restaurants. <laughs> That's Glasgow. Um, and but, you know, he gets gets the guy's back, puts in the vines. He's like, yeah, I was gonna choke him, but you know, everybody expects me to do that, so I figured I would. So he just, and it would be one thing, and it's a small thing. One of you just mentioned it. Well, it's a small thing. Who just who just said that? uh Yeah, yeah, Dan, Danny, Dan, Dan, yes, said it. It'd be a small thing if he if he got to the end of the round and was like, man, that's a or they stopped the fight. His fucking tapping out, like he—he, he, I mean, keep in mind, he tapped out against Johnny Bony Joni, similar, a fusillade of knees, and he tapped out. Paul Craig is no Johnny Bony Joni. This is a pure case of raw. Retire already. Retire already. And I don't care. Don't care. I think Nash was saying, or Steph was saying, hey, I mean, he could go Bellator. Nah, 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 nah. nah stop. Just stop. Stop! Yeah, 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 exactly. So, <laughs> just, just I tell you, went my Glasgow story. I pulled up in a car at a recording studio. The guy from the recording studio comes out, comes out, looks at me, looks at the car, and says six words to me. So it's not like he's talking about international politics. He's not talking about sports. He's not asking about menu items on earth. It had to do with the car. And I just, I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. But, and at first I was going to say, just act like I had heard what he said. Then I go, fuck that. I'm the, this is English. We should be able to figure this out. And I asked him about eight times before one of my friends from Glasgow came out and said, he, he's saying that the car, you can park the car here for a few hours before they'll hassle you. I like, oh, whoa, didn't get that at all. So yeah, show so Paul Craig is no John Jones, and Shogun shouldn't fight. And so the Baldwin says, "Yeah, that was pretty terrible. You didn't know that was going to be terrible. You didn't know that was going to be terrible. You convinced yourself that you were doing this guy a favor. Did I do that woman a favor by staying that night and having sex with her?" Did I? Did the bald one do Shogun a favor by letting him fight that fight? Because, you know, he wasn't getting shit for money where his placement on the card. Did he do him a favor? Well, I can I I can zip forward in time. that woman's life. Has improved a thousand percent, not as a result necessarily of me. but she has gone on to do phenomenal things. Phenomenal things. I I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to make it easy for you to identify who she is, but she's gone on to to, to do phenomenal things. This was part of the process in which, in which, in which I participated in a way that at at the very least didn't slow the process down. I'm sure the Baldwin could say that about Shogun Hua, but I don't believe it when he says it. I can look at this woman and see that, that, you know, she's got some high paying job, that she's got a super interesting life at this point, you know, that involves, you know, uh, extreme acts of athleticism, um, that she's channeled that shit into all the right places. I don't want to have a rosy projection for Shogun Hua, and yet there he was. And we're gonna see more cats like this. Yeah, man. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's supposed to know, and he. So now he, he in the post fight press, he's going, "Yeah, that was pretty terrible." So you either knew, in which case you're an idiot, or you didn't know, in which case you're an idiot. I don't want to give the guy a hard time. Nobody held show. Nobody held a gun up. The Shogun and made him um, um uh made made him fight that fight. Nobody did. He didn't. There was no gun involved. No gun at all. Guy chose to. He, somebody said in the comments, "Christmas money." What am I looking at right now? I'm looking at I'm looking at uh Sherdog. And he he said he Hua said he suffered an injury in the first round. Like that had something to do with it. Stop it. And I tweeted out some misty as fuck comment he had from earlier in the week. But I don't feel old. David Lee Roth. I don't feel tardy. Hey, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The bald one says he looked like a shell of his former self.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like that Filipino cat who ran amok at a family gathering and ran through the family gathering, stabbing people to death. And as he ran through the family gathering, stabbing people to death, he screamed one thing and one thing only. Oh my God, what have I done? And I go, this guy's got a real problem with tenses because it's not so much, what have you done? It's what are you doing? Okay. So um and then making me watch this thing about Mark Ratner. Come on. That was uh no 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 no. That that uh this was not going to make me happy. All right. So I'm I'm looking up I'm, I'm just give me a second here. Give okay, here I got it. I got it. So um but what um Yeah, yeah, it is the, the sport itself, the sport itself is, is cruel, but you know, you're what? It's the sidelines, like that movie. They shoot horses, don't they? It's the sidelines that make it, you know, an enterprise to embrace or not to embrace. But the, the is it delight delighting cruelty? It depends. I gotta, I gotta, honest to God, again, another segment called sympathy for the devil, sympathy for the Baldwin. one. If I were in his position, uh eh, oh, you know, I didn't consider that. Maybe that, maybe he's. Uh, now I feel like an asshole. So maybe Ratner, maybe there's something wrong with him. And that's why they are giving him while he's alive. I don't know. Okay, whatever. Sorry. They didn't know. He's still alive. I saw him walking around. So he's still alive, you know? Um. Yeah. So uh, if I were in the Baldwin's ones position and I was slightly irked with, so I guarantee you, I'd run all my, you I would run Billy Ruwan out there in a second. Oh, you want to fight? Oh, you got good chances, buddy. I got. I'm Sicilian that way. Like uh, th- that Disney executive, who uh, who uh, gave me the high hand about getting a job at Disney way back when. And then he had this movie that almost ruined Disney. Got fired. And he could double back and ask me for work. I was like, "Yeah, why don't you review some porn for me for Skull Game?" I tell you. And then you could take the DVDs after I give them to you. You could sell them if you got if you got a like, Adult bookstore in your neighborhood, you can sell them, sell them to them for over wholesale. You can make some money that way. You could turn over 200 dollars a week that way. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Come on. So maybe, maybe who am I? Maybe he's got some beef with children. I don't know. But it seemed it seemed unkind to me to one dude out there. So um, okay, what you don't know, what you don't know, and I'm bouncing back and forth on this card because I didn't have I didn't have a lot of a lot, super lot of cares on the card. Ah uh, yeah, man. Yeah, Sal the model. When I saw that he was judging those last two fights, I was like, oh, no, 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 please. But what you don't know is that this past week, I interviewed uh, Valentina Senchenko. S- My wife's been getting on me about how I pronounce her last name. And uh, I'm not the only one. You see him playing in pieces. It was a run-up to, to the fight. Um, but um, I got long, I Dave from the UFC gave me a little bit longer time with her. I got some time, and the piece goes, uh, I'll be tweeting it out, I think, on either Monday or Wednesday. So they haven't decided whether to take the, the political piece to run on Monday and her on Wednesday or her on Monday and him on Wednesday. I don't know. But by Wednesday, both will be out. And I was sitting there realizing what I'd gotten myself into because I wrote this great piece about her where I had barely mentioned Jennifer Maya. But if Jennifer Meyer had pulled that out, I got to go back in. I would be right now scrambling my ass off to fix that piece. So I was gripping like that guy who bet $10,000 or $12,000 to win $600. I was dying after that second round. But she was so great, both in the interview and in the fight, because what she chose to do is, it, is championship shit? She chose to say, ah, you think I'm not going to take you down because I'm afraid because you got a black belt? Guess again. And it wasn't like she hadn't been working on jujitsu. She did the macro move that I always advise if I tell some of the white belts I talk to, I'd say, uh, yeah, I, I'd say, if you can't remember anything when you're in somebody's guard... Stay close. Well, what do you mean? Sir? Stay close like you're fucking them. If you're fucking somebody and they start to scoot away, unless you have a 12-inch penis, you follow. That makes me kind of uncomfortable, sexual guy. I mean, it's just jujitsu. Just Every time she moved, she, uh, uh, Maya moved her hips, to get some hip space, she followed. Simple. Not an inch, two inches. And after that second round, she she took the third round and then said, Okay, well, you know what? She probably said, there's no chance that Jennifer Meyer is going to take at least one more round from me. So I got this, not Valentina. She beat her like a bad habit. She beat her like she owed her money. She took that, took the fourth round. And then when I said, Well, she's got through now, she's she's got one, she's got three, and she's got four. She's got one, three, four. There's no way that Jennifer Meyer could do. And, you know, Jennifer Meyer was going to come out hard. Give me a 50,000. Was going to come out hard the fifth round. She's like, nah, 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 nah. Nah, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. And she beat the woman like a bad habit. And now they're talking about Andrage. I like that. That's your job. Sell that fight. But Valentina was great, and I think if they don't massacre the piece that much, I didn't want to cheat Ozzy by talking about it too much before it was done. But um, and I'll tell you stuff next week that she said that probably didn't make it into the Ozzy piece. Nothing earth-shattering. Sh- earth, earth yep, yeah, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna tear like a uh, 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 hellraiser. I'm gonna tear your soul apart. That was business. Uh, uh, uh Davy Figs, uh, 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 that was a great fight, too. Again, last minute replacement in uh, the uh, uh, Alex Perez. Um, but it was crazy. I need to watch it again because he grabs a leg and rather than go high, somebody said, Yeah, uh, uh Sakuraba, shit. he drops back, snakes. But that's not that's not surprising to me. That's uh, on another on the same planet, maybe conceivably, I might make a move like that <laughs> 20 years ago. But he doesn't try to heel hook. I need to watch it again because I would have gone in deep for the heel hook. And he did it. He let the guy scramble, and then he kind of kicked his legs out and took his back. No, 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 no. He let the guy scramble. The guy drops down, and he sits up. And if you look at it, on the first blush, you go, his he he is not deep enough. But he, he did a couple of things. As, as Alex tries to sit up, most people foolishly arch up with him, lean back because they harp back here, so they want to get the weight to get him to fall back, and that's when dude's head pops out. Nah, Davy Figs leans forward, and I thought, ah, oh, he's not putting that hard. When they showed it in slow motion, you could see his spinal erectors on his back just so he was pulling up like fucking crazy. Great fight. Brandon versus Brandon, I wasn't so happy about because I picked the Brandon that lost. Royle, and uh, and I felt like that time when I was winning in IBJJF purple belt, and I stupidly decided to move a piano that week with somebody who was smaller than me, and the piano almost fell over, pulled something in my back. And I said, "Fuck it, go down to Long Beach, take a guy down." Uh, um, Passes guard, side control, about to mount. Everything goes, all the power goes out of my left arm. And I look up, and, and dude is uh, dude is celebrating. I'm like, well, you said se- God liked you more today. Are you going to celebrate an injury? What does that say about your sil- skill set? So Roy will have, uh, probably his shoulder came out of the socket. I don't know, because when I hear somebody's injured, you know I got the theory about injuries. If I see it, I'll get it. I'm not watching. I haven't, I haven't watched. I've had my shoulder pop out of the socket before, and I yank it back in like a car- like a shaking a carpet or a tablecloth in a magic trick. Just yank it, and it goes back in. Not enough for me to probably continue the fight. Uh, Buckley beat this kid, Jordan Wright. Yeah, uh, uh, it's good. Uh, I like I like Buckley. I like his energy. Short, short, and small for that division. See, I think of him, and I think of that cat. Marvin Eastman, and I think a Sukaju and for very specific reasons. Um, Antonina. Antonina. Also, you can see, I, I tried not to think about her being married to their coach, because at, at the same point, I know I you haven't really heard this, but I know that she's married to the coach. And then Hogan talks about it. Says, you know, they've been training with the same coach. 28 years and they just dedicated and I was like, huh, 28 years. So Valentina started when she was five or six years old. Antonina is four years older. They've been training with the guy since he, he was 20, 28. I don't want to think about that. And my wife says, yeah, yeah, you know, but you know, you're older than me. Yeah, 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 I am older than you. But I haven't known you since you were eight, okay? I'm not getting sexy with anybody who I've known since I was eight, since they were eight. And just as I said that, I started to remember (laughs) this horrible, horrible story. And I'm not even going to go into terrible details, but we played this show. And one of the people said, oh, you can stay. This family that's doing all the catering, you can stay at their house. And they had these wonderful kids. And the kids were like, you know, 11, 12. I'm not gonna go into any greater details. It was again another another country. Kids are like 11, 12, and we left, and they made little nice presents for us. That's cool. I've been in a band a long time. We go back years, years later, probably about 15 years later. No, no. Let's see. Uh, the kid was like 11, and then we went back eight years later, nine years later, and so we pulled up the same house, and it's like, oh, I remember the gave. And now a 20-year-old woman walks up and goes, hi, do you remember me? And I'm like, I don't think so. And she's like, I made you the, I go, oh, oh, my God, you were like 11 then. And she goes, yeah, I know, I'm 20 now. And like, eh. And then I had that weird disquietude. They say number one indicator for anti-sexy stuff is if you grow up with somebody, you tend not to find them sexy. I know people who've grown up in synonym cults. So you had a number of, they took the kids, all the kids away from the parents and let the kids like, like, a, like a Lord of the Flies raise themselves, but you don't sexualize people that you've known since you were tiny, unless you're fucked up. So uh, yeah, Woody Allen, bro, that's not even, who I met on the streets of New York, not once, but twice. We're not going to get into that. However, it's a perfect segue into the David Cross thing. And there's no, there's no through line here. I didn't miss any fights. I mean, there was a couple of fights. I was very upset with uh, the, the the opening fight, and everybody loved it. This guy, I did this on nine days' notice. Why are you calling guys up on nine days' notice? John Nash and Steph got into it today on Care Don't Care. He said, "You know, they don't do that in boxing." Anthony Ruiz, who won, he had he had he was a late late stage replacement, late stage in boxing, six weeks. Nine de- nine days. Don't give me this nine days. It's depressing. Yeah, he won, but that's not the. Don't think because you got away with it once, that you could get away with it again. Which you could probably say about my entire sex life. But whatever, you know. Don't don't. So that was depressing. But let's let's go on to the David Cross story. So and then we'll wind up the show, unless there's something else I was supposed to talk about and I forgot. So um, okay. So you as you know, I've made my business as an, as an editor, right? Now, when I was doing Intel's corporate publication, I said, you know what? We need a kicker. At the end of the magazine, you know, they're a big employee publication. I had 60,000 readers. I said, we need something to be. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I hear about these guys who are being a tech. I contact some of the cats in Monty Python, right? Monty Python. I love Monty Python. And I get a hold, and the only one to respond is John Cleese. I said, John Cleese, why don't you do. Give me my back. I want you to do a funny thing once a month, and you do the back cover. We'll give you the back cover because I don't know if I'm good for once a month, but I'll do a couple. I go, "Ah, I know who I get, I'll switch him up. Scott Adams from Dilbert, and this is before he was anybody, right? We're talking in the 90s, right? So before Dilbert was huge at all. Scott Adams, and you look at you. So this is this worked. This all of a sudden, this sleepy employee publication was like people were like digging on it, right? Cool. So, I'm at EQ Magazine. I'm at EQ Magazine. Nah, Mike Perry fight was fucking depressing. And I have to tell you, I'm going to segue from this for a good second. I was okay with the Mike Perry fight. I like Dirty Bird. Uh, he used to be a gif, had a kid, got his shit together. And they talk, start talking, Hogan started talking about Mike Perry. And he said, you know, he's still going with his girlfriend at his corner. And look at her over there. She's you know, she's, she couldn't be more pregnant. She's like eight months now or something. And I was like, oh, Yeah, his walkout, yeah, yeah, sorry, man, no. And then they say, Mike Perry, well, he's going to be a father soon. And I felt like the last five minutes of Chinatown, where the, the girl, the daughter of incestuous rape is, sorry, spoiler alert, is being put in the car with her grandfather, father, the rapist, And is driving away into the night. And they say, hey, Jay, Chinatown. It's like, if you don't, if, if the idea, if you, okay, if those of you who haven't had kids don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry, you really don't. But those of you who have kids, if you start to think for half a second about Mike Perry as a father where the kid is waking up every hour and a half, every 90 minutes, screaming in the middle of the night. Oh, I can't, I can't, man. I can't, It's like, I couldn't, at that point now, my vision was all, I couldn't I couldn't concentrate on the fight. I couldn't, I couldn't. Yeah, Dirty Bird was technically just pulled it out, but he's nowhere. And they're gonna keep, he's, the, Mike Perry is the Wes Sims of 2020. If you don't know who Wes Sims is, go back. But Dana Baldwin keeps these cats around, Cause they entertain him. Is it delight and cruelty? I don't know. How many fight two? Do who's a dude who fought two fights couldn't make the weight, and then they got they got rid of him. The lawyers. I can't make his weight. Ah, he comes out. He's great, and and Hogan is all over his nuts. Ah, this guy's a riot. Ah, he's a riot. He's so much of a riot, his mother called the cops because he's afraid he was gonna murder his ex-wife. That's riotous. It's a laugh riot. And you mix in, you mix in an infant. I just, I can't, I can't. It's not, you and I both know, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Maybe that woman is wise enough to get him away, or the mom gets in there, but you got to keep that kid safe. Sorry. You, know, you, can't, you can't visit this guy until he's, until he's, uh. you know, look, genetically, I found out that when testing things, I have a predisposition for not needing a lot of sleep. I'm not going to murder my offspring. Okay, so let's, let's not get weird and morbid. Let's go back to the David Cross story. <laughs> Uh, And, you know, and then there's a whole different set of worries if he has a daughter versus if he has a son. I can't even think about it. Let's stop. So David Cross. So now uh, years pass and I'm editor in chief. Um, Editor in chief of uh, EQ magazine, a music recording magazine, um, which competed with, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, electronic musician, mix magazine and, and so on there are tons of funny stories from that. When I first in one of the first jobs I interviewed for was at guitar player when I got out of college. And these guys gave me the high hand, even though I'm sure they interviewed 20 other people, but none of whom were in bands. And they decided to maybe okay, my guitar player, I don't play guitar. I got you. So then they later bring me in as editor-in-chief of EQ, a lot of funny stories, like attempts at backstabbings, guys at uh, you know, music instrument companies, sales companies. In Indiana, don't need to mention names. Oh, he's making the magazine too urban. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's not get into that. I just decide I want a comedic kicker. I want something I'm always thinking. So there are these shows that if you don't, if you're not in the music instrumentation, engineering, production, music recording, you don't know about. NAM is one, National Association of Music Manufacturers, uh, AES, uh, AES, uh, I don't know, Engineering Association of Engineering, something size, and then there's uh, uh, MESA in Frankfurt. They're all over the world, they happen all the time. Same numbers of people go. And I'm there at one, I think it was AES, which is the more geeky one. And I look and there's David Cross. I go, oh shit, there's David Cross. Now typically when you see a famous person, you know, I my first stratagem is six degrees of separation because I've been doing this a long enough time. I know somebody who knows somebody. If I think hard enough and my first line is always, I think we have friends in common. Right. The same woman that was was instrumental in the Jack Black thing is the woman that we know in common. So I see David Cross stand there. I was like, oh, hey, man. We have we actually have friends in common. And he starts giving me the stink guy off the bat before I even mention the name. So it wasn't like it was connected to her. And he's like, yeah. And I mentioned at this point, I mentioned the name. And um, but, you know, I don't want to take up a lot of his time. I said, hey, I'm the editor in chief of uh, EQ. He's at NAM or AES. I don't remember which. It was I was down at Disneyland or Disney World, whichever one's in Southern California. That's where they had it that year. And then I'm vaguely aware of, 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 of he's standing with two large black cats. Black cats. I thought they were just his friends. They turns out they, they were probably a security, his security. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. You know, we compete with mix and electronic sort of musician. I said, hey, man, I, I thought you were hilarious. You should, we should, if, think about it, we should, uh, I'd be glad to to, to you know, to work on something, kind of pay, I mean, this is even before Mr. Show. It wasn't like the guy was huge. I knew him at that point from stand-up. So I'm envisioning something like with John Cleese, where he does a back cover piece, some you know observations, music, he's at AES, you don't wander into AES unless you got some kind of overriding interest in music. And he gets this look on his face, it's like contempt. And since the Jack Black incident, what I've told myself is I gotta be in the moment a hundred percent when that shit happens. Now, you know what I've said before My my friend from Georgia, Soviet Georgia said, he said, "You people can say anything they want to me until they put their hands on me." And generally, that's where I go. But I'm also totally down with arbitrary slapping. Like after that Jack Black thing, I said, "That'll never happen again." Because just like you thought it was funny to publicly be a prick to me, maybe I think it's funny to slap you off your stool. It's funny. It's comedy. So Cross is giving me, just giving me this, this kind of weird vibe. And so I, at one point, I'm in the moment, I stop my pitch. And I look at the, the two black dudes try to indicate, I'm about to fuck your boy up. Just for GP, on general principle. Not, for, not because I think I'm going to accomplish anything. Or not because he's encroached on my sense of self. But it's a teachable moment. And the moment is keep the party polite. I'm clearly on my way somewhere. I'm not burdening you. I'm not like the guy in the Chappelle skit where I'm gonna lay this whole thing out. I just made a a, pre, a beat a brief pitch. You take the business card, you know, and and you go, yeah, okay, thanks. And then you, you wait till I walk. Are you throwing the garbage? But if you think you're gonna be rude to me in my fucking face, that's not gonna happen anymore. What? Because rudeness begets rudeness. So I look at the, uh, the black dudes, I look at him, and I go, you should think about it. Here's a card. If you're interested, there's a way to contact me. But of course, at that point, I said it just the way I'm saying it to you. The words written on a piece of paper, you would go, go no, you are pretty, pretty nice. As I spoke them, it was like, yeah. At that point, I couldn't watch the guy anymore. Uh, Odenkirk, who was also part of that same group, loved that guy, you know. But the actor's gang, those cats, you know, Abermensch, for those who don't speak German, badly pronounced, half men. So that was a David Cross story. And, you know, he said, yeah, thought I expected more, maybe a little touchy. Hey, bro, don't give me that. Don't give me that shit about a little bit touchy. You know, you made shit about a little bit touchy. Yeah. 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 I mean, there was no reason. And and you know, somebody else who did it to me, Keith Morris from the Circle Jerks. This is small. I'm only going to go three minutes. I'm in 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 a breakfast place in L.A. I'm eating eggs. I look up. I go, hey, Keith. That guy was single-handedly responsible for me playing my first, my first show. Circle Jerks were playing San Francisco. I said, hey, my whole band's here. We should play a couple songs before the Circle Jerks come on. The effigies had just played. I said, Keith, can we play? He goes, yeah, go ahead. The promoter, a promoter, hey, he said we could play two songs before they start. They look at my guitar player. It was like six foot six, two 275 pounds. They're like, fuck it. It's easy, but. Service so said, you can't use our equipment, so we go to the Effigies. Hey, they, we just want to play two songs before you start, can we? And the Effigies go, sure, go ahead. Great guys, Vince from the Effigies. So we played two or three songs. That was my first live show. Klaus Floride came up to me after that show, Darren Peligoro. Who the hell are you guys? And that's how we got signed to the Maximum Mocker Roll compilation. So, you know, I got a long history with Keith. Hey, Keith, what's happening? He puts his fork down, and he looks at me like, hey, bro, you're not Tom Cruise. I'm not asking for an autograph. I'm just saying hello. And that's kind of what I said. I go, I'm just saying hello. Now, I don't know if he had made sense that it was me. Like I didn't, I said it's Eugene from Oxbow. These guys who are the hardcore guys, I would have had to say Eugene from Whippy Boy for he would have remembered. Don't know. I just cut it short at that point because I don't want to slap him off his fucking stool. Yeah, since the steroids, my zero to 60 anger thing, it's not that... Yeah, okay. Still love the guy. So, um, so that's the end of the show. You got your, you got your, you got your meditation on evil, segue into uh, UFC two fifty five. You got the David Cross story. You got the Utre sex story as part of it, and uh, and you got the bonus of the Keith Morris story. What more could you want? And at the beginning of the chat. You got the URL for the Oxbow Hardcore shirts. You can't expect much more. Anyway, thanks for listening. I know some of you are celebrating Thanksgiving this week. Uh, clearly, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not going anywhere. My kid, uh, my oldest daughter just got back from Florida with my grandson. But Florida is Planet of the Apes. And uh, so until they're tested and quarantined, it can't go over there Thanksgiving. So... And you know, Kasia is not, there's no Thanksgiving tradition in uh, in, uh, in Poland. And uh, you know, she's a vegetarian anyway. So I'm a pescatarian, I got some fish here, maybe we'll cook it up. But uh, if presuming that you live, we'll see you next Sunday. We did a care, don't care on the fight coming up. Two cares, Anthony Smith, and then uh, I can't even remember the other one. Oh, uh, uh, Derek, uh, Derek Lewis. And uh, Blades and then Anthony Smith and, and then some other, uh, Devin Clark. Those are the only two, two that I care about. Otherwise, I got two pieces this week uh, coming out. You got the URL for the Oxbow shirts, and I got nothing else. Do not die. We'll see you next Sunday. Until then, what? Look what you made me do! Which is also printed up on the shirts! Ah!